Dallas Mavericks are NBA champions. How did he do it? How did he do it? That is Luka Magic! He hits! Bang! He hits! Bang! It's good! And the Mavericks have won the game! Thank you, Hello and welcome to the Just a Boy podcast, a Dallas Mavericks podcast. I'm your host, Joey Montoya, and I am, in fact, just a boy. Today we have a very, very special episode because we are talking about one of my favorite Mavericks of all time, J.J. Barea. But before we get to that, we are in the middle of free agency, and yes, we have new Mavericks to talk about. So first things first, let's dive into some of the moves that the Mavs are making here in free agency as the roster is starting to come together. So one of the smaller moves that the Mavs made is they went out and picked up Devontae Patterson, a 6'7 forward out of Prairie View a and uh, We signed him to an Exhibit 10 deal, so he'll be joining uh, Freddie Gillespie as the training camp invitees, where they'll essentially just be battling it out for a potential roster spot. But among other moves, the Mavs picked up Wes Owundu, not to be confused with Mace Windu, <laughs> the Star Wars character, but Wes Owundu comes to the Mavericks, uh, played three seasons in Orlando, a wing player, uh, more wings. Uh, I heard, on, <laughs> I saw someone say, call us pluckers because the Mavs are taking wings. I mean, last week we had three wings on our team with Dorian, Timmy, and Jay Jax, and now we have seven guys. Um, so the team is getting more athletic, uh, a bunch of high energy, high effort guys, which you can never get too much of. I think it's a case of the Mavericks just shoot or shoot. One of these wings are going to end up being productive for us. And if it's one or two of those guys, then I consider it a success. So Wesley Windu comes in. He's only 25 years old, so he adds to that youth movement. Um, But I think what earned him this opportunity is his play in the bubble. Um, He didn't have a huge role in Orlando, but with injuries, he did in the bubble. And he shot the ball really well, despite not really being known as a shooter. Um, so why not bring him into camp, see what he can do, and hopefully he can be effective and a good pickup for us because, who knows, maybe he'll be a key rotational piece. I know with picking up all these wings, one of them's going to be productive. So it's a case of, like I said, the Mavericks are just shooting their shot. Shooters shoot, uh, just <laughs> shoot until one of these guys lands. So maybe Wundu can be that guy. Um, something else that sold me on him, though, is we've been talking about getting enforcers and guys who's going to stand up for their teammates, stand up for Luka, protect him, uh, and KP, of course, uh, just so they're not getting into foul trouble and ejection trouble like we saw in the playoffs. Um, but all things Mavs tweeted out a video, and in the video, uh, Dwight Howard is kind of getting into it with Wundu's teammates, and Wundu takes exception to that, and he steps in and shoves the bigger Dwight Howard and I like that, man. I, hopefully, maybe we see that with the Mavs, and he's protecting Luka. Uh, and, and a cool quote I saw from him after the signing, he said, quote, that's number one, just being from Texas, but also going to a team like this is pretty big, he said. It's a different ball game. It's contenders, man. I'm so excited that I can't put it into words, end quote. And a wundu, man, he, that, that quote gets me fired up. I love hearing that players are excited to come here to Dallas play with a superstar in Luka and KP, and just get to winning basketball, man. So Awundu, I'm excited for him. Uh, It was a two-year deal, a minimum deal, that won't be added until after the mid-level exception is used. Uh, Of course, Trey Burke gets about three mil from the mid-level exception, so we have about six mil to work with. Um, So so the minimum deals won't be official until after the mid-level exception is used, uh, and so it doesn't apply to our cap space. 
But after that three mil that Burke took from the mid-level exception, I believe the rest of that was used on the Willie Cauley-Stein signing who we picked up uh, just about an hour ago as I'm recording this. Willie Cauley-Stein comes back on a two-year deal worth 8.2 mil with a team option in the second year of the deal. So he opted out a few days ago, and he comes back, gets a little bit more money. So good for him. Happy to have Willie Cauley-Stein back. But maybe the most exciting news, Mavs fans, is the re-signing of none other than J.J. Barea. Now, it was reported that Barea agreed to a minimum deal similarly to Wes Owundu. And these minimum deals are going to hit after the use of the mid-level exception, which of course is going to Trey Burke and now Willie Cauley-Stein. So the Willie Cauley-Stein is the most recently reported deal. However, the minimum deals of Awundu and Brea are not technically made official until after the use of the mid-level exception. Um, so there's a little bit of confusion right now because currently if all the reports uh, are accurate with the signings and the agreements made, we have 16 players on the roster. Um, so Brad Townsend had reported that we did have that open roster spot to get a Willie Cauley-Stein, but there were conflicting reports from other sources saying otherwise. Uh, but with the signing of Willie Cauley-Stein, that indicates that uh, there's either a two-for-one trade brewing or one of these guys that were reportedly signed are going to end up being cut. So uh, there's a little bit of confusion here right now. I'm definitely super confused, but I'm sure we'll get more clarity in the coming days. But with the signing of Willie Cauley-Stein, not to backtrack, um, he just provides for us another big man out there while KP is going to be out for a little while. I have still yet to hear about Dwight Powell, who, of course, suffered his Achilles tear. Uh, I should say rupture, but Achilles tear in January. Um, so adding that big man just gives us more flexibility to stretch out and take our time with KP coming back, who, of course, is so important to the success of this team. Uh, looking forward to the playoffs and not only the playoffs, but just the future of this team. So I know I kind of sped through those free agent acquisitions, and like I said, we're waiting on some more clarity and what the roster will really look like come opening night. But now it's time to get to the real reason why we are here. And I know a lot of you bought tickets just so you could see him tonight. He'll go down as one of the all-time beloved Mavs, J.J. Barea. That is right. With the re-signing of J.J. Barea, I thought it would be fitting to dedicate this episode to him. As I mentioned earlier, Brad Townsend announced the re-signing uh, to the minimum deal. And it's like, why do we do this deal? He's an old guy uh, who's probably not going to get any minutes. How is he going to contribute to this team in any way? Well, any young team needs vets, right? And the only other players we have on the roster over the age of 30 is Boban and James Johnson. So it's like he provides another veteran presence on our team. We see any team that is successful have a nice balance of young players and veterans. And on top of that, he's an NBA champion. So the value to his team goes way beyond his production on the floor, which obviously will be in a minimized role uh, since he's towards the end of the roster. But it's like the roster doesn't the end of the roster doesn't get minutes in any team anyway. Like show me a team in the league that runs a 15 man roster. I mean, 15 man rotation because it doesn't exist you can't show me one so we might as well have someone who can provide the young guys with that valuable insight from his playoff experience uh, on top of that everyone loves jj everybody in that locker room loves jj i don't know how a human can physically not like jj he's just an awesome guy um, and you got to remember before his achilles tear that season of his achilles tear jj was having one of the best seasons of his career he was averaging 10.9 points and 5.6 assists. He was a huge contribution to our team. Um, and then after the Achilles, 
he came back the following season and was still used as a spark for our offense whenever it got stagnant. It's like there were some days I just remember it was just like our offense could not do anything. Rick throws JJ out there and all of a sudden we get this spark and we go on a run. Um, so, so coming off the Achilles tear that next season, he was averaging 7.7 points and 3.9 assists in uh, 29 games that he played, which he, he only averaged about 15 minutes per, per those games. But it was when we needed him so valuably. We just needed a guy to come in, uh, put us on a run, because we, we would just get in such a dry spell. Um, so maybe he's not going to return in that exact role where he's providing that spark as often, but it, it's really his intangibles that brings him back. I mean, look at the Miami Heat, right? They made a run to the finals, and they had a Udonis Haslam on their team. J.J. Barea is going to be our Udonis Haslam. He's just been there, uh, been successful in this league, knows what it takes to be successful, and can use that knowledge to pour into the younger guys and ultimately make them better. Um, so, honestly, I love this signing. I love J.J. Barea. And even though he might not be on the floor a ton, he still helps improve this team. Um, I think something interesting <laughs> I just thought about right now um, I remember watching like interviews as the season was picking up, and it, it was the off season, I believe, before that Achilles year. Um, JJ Barea was just talking about how he used the off season to coach, uh, and and how that improved himself as a player on the court, and maybe that contributed to him being so successful that year. Because um, I know that every off season, obviously, players love to add something new to their game, and he just spent the whole off season coaching, and that improved his the mental aspect of the game, and that's probably what elongated his career, honestly, is his ability to be a coach that's on the court, that's playing in-game. Uh, so like I said, having a veteran teammate like JJ who can coach is just so valuable. And um, I, I know that players probably value having a quote-unquote player coach um, almost more so than having... Like if JJ were to move into a full-time coaching role, it, it would, might be a different vibe than him being suited up to play games and him just offering his insight. So, like I said, I'm so excited to have J.J. Barea back. But let's move forward and dive into the story of J.J. Barea. Now, the story of Jose Juan Barea takes us back to the year 2001. Yes, a much simpler time than now, I think we can agree on. Uh, but Barea was back in his home country of Puerto Rico playing ball. Uh, when they moved up to Florida, and he decided to play high school ball at Miami Christian School. Uh, there he averaged 20 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, and 3 steals. Not too shabby, if you ask me. Uh, and there he led his high school to a state championship on top of their already impressive 38-2 record. Um, so, even in Berea's amateur career, we see him just showing his leadership skills and his ability to elevate his team to a successful season. Uh, after high school, he moved up north to Boston, Massachusetts, where he attended Northeastern University. Uh, he stayed there all four years, and when he graduated, he was the second all-time leading scorer at that school. Um, but despite that feat that he reached being the second all-time leading scorer there, he did in fact go undrafted. And a lot of this probably has to do with his height. He was listed as six foot, but future teammates Tyson Chandler, Dirk Nowitzki, and Jason Terry might think otherwise. He's probably 5'9", with heels on, 6'1". <laughs> you know, he spikes his hair up like that just to gain an inch. So uh, he might be 5'8", with the spiked hair. We playing the Clippers. It's yeah. dead quiet in there. He's on the line. Some guy just yells out. It's funny. Put uh, the baby in the game. Our whole bench was laughing. 
<laughs> so JJ's future teammates poking a little fun at him there. Uh, and even JJ gets a kick out of the fact that he's listed at six feet because he's definitely closer to 5'10". But man, I'm just thinking about to be 5'10", 5'10", and to have a successful NBA career in itself is already so, so impressive to me. Um, and as you may or may not know, the Mavs did eventually pick J.J. Barea up as an undrafted free agent. And with the re-signing, he's now coming back for his 12th season in Dallas. He, of course, had a short stint in Minnesota for about three seasons, I think. Uh, but we wiped that from our memory. We ain't got to talk about it. you know. To me, <laughs> Barea has just always been a Maverick, and I'm sure you guys can agree with that. Now let's hop into the time machine and head back to the year 2011. Uh, a year, I would argue, was simpler than 2001, but that is neither here nor there. As you guys know, the 2011 NBA champions were your Dallas Mavericks. With who else on the team but J.J. Barea. I just really quick wanted to talk about the role that Barea played on that championship team and what he brought to the team. Uh, it was Tyson Chandler that was quoted as saying that J.J. was the spark plug of the finals team. And I love that because it's like he's continuing to do that same type of stuff now. As I mentioned earlier, uh, bringing playmaking and scoring whenever the offense gets stagnant and, and providing a boost to the offense that puts us on a run and brings us back into the game. Um, something else that J.J. was incredible at was shooting off of screens. Another thing that he continues to do even on the latter half of his career um, I can think of countless times recently where we set a screen for J.J., he comes off of it, and he has a wide-open shot that he just knocks down. Obviously, when he was younger, he was much more of a streaky shooter, but it's like once he saw the ball going in, he wasn't going to miss. He was automatic after that. So obviously, shooting isn't relying on athleticism, so it's easier to continue that in his career. But it's really cool to see some aspects of his game that was successful early on that he's been able to continue, uh, like I said, on the latter half of his career. I think my favorite part about J.J.'s game was his ability to penetrate the defense. I mean, he is sneaky quick. He'll just blow by his guy, and there'll be a bona fide rim protector waiting for him down low, and it's like he still finds a way to create a little bit of space and then make these crazy layups. It, there was no way to defend it, and the, his ability to succeed at this aspect of the game opened up the three ball for him. So... Uh, his sneaky quickness, and then just oh, these insane layups. Um, someone who would agree uh, that was that J.J. Barea was just like a pest, just a nuisance, <laughs> just offensively. How do you stop it? You can't. I think Andrew Bynum would agree with that. <laughs> As you guys probably remember, Andrew Bynum takes out J.J. Barea uh, with an elbow to the ribs in Game 4 of the Lakers' second-round sweep in 2011. Uh, just an absolute butch league move that got him immediately ejected from the game. Um, but I might add that this was game four of that second round where we swept the Lakers, where we swept Phil Jackson into his coaching retirement. Um, just thought I'd throw that little nugget in there. But I think the craziest part of this play is that uh, Bynum takes J.J. outright. Somehow the ball still finds its way into the hoop. Like I don't know how. If you go back, go back and watch that play and you'll be in awe at the fact that J.J. made that lay little layup right there. <laughs> but, yeah, J.J. Barea, I don't think we win the championship without him. I mean, in the middle of the finals, Game 4, Rick Carlisle decides to switch up the lineup, take Deshaun Stevenson out of the starting lineup, and throw in J.J., and he provided uh, such a valuable spark. Like we said, the spark plug, as Tyson Chandler said. Uh, he started Games 4, 5, and 6 and helped repel us to... Um, a finals victory over the star-studded Miami Heat. 
So I don't know if we win a championship without J.J. Barea. He was so, so valuable to our team. And it's like we still see J.J. finding ways to sneak to the rim with bigger defenders that what he really excelled at when he was younger. We still see him doing that same thing. So it's really cool how J.J. has been able to develop his game on the mental side of things, continue the things he was really good at, and um, still be a very valuable piece to this team. Now the last thing I wanted to say about J.J. is just, again, harping on the fact that everybody loves him. Uh, there's not a single guy in that locker room that isn't excited to have J.J. back on the roster. And Luka Doncic is no exception to this. J.J. is one of Luka's closest friends, and he provides a mentorship role toward him. I remember uh, during Luka's rookie season, which was the year that J.J., of course, tore his Achilles, uh, Luka and J.J. had this pregame handshake ritual they did before every single game. And when J.J. went down with his Achilles injury, uh, I thought it was super, super cool that Luka continued that ritual without him um, and just pretended like J.J. was still there, just kind of in tribute to him. Um, So in conclusion, this entire podcast can be summed up with, we love you, J.J. (laughs) One of my favorite memories uh, was last year. The fans were all pleading for Berea to come into the game. It was towards the end. It was like garbage time. And and J.J. sprinted, acting like he was going to check in just to head back to the bench. He had Luca cracking up laughing on the bench. And he had all of AAC laughing as well. But uh, that's about all I have for you guys. I appreciate you listening. I hope you did enjoy this episode. Um, if you made it this far, thank you so, so much for your support. It really means the world to me. Uh, but that's all I got for you guys. Uh, go Mavs and peace out. Shut it down! Oh!